My name is Paul. If I've never met you before, pleased to meet you. I have the great privilege of leading this team with my wife, Maline, and it's such a great privilege to be able to stand before you today and just share some of who we are, what we're about, what we feel God's called us to. I know every year when we do a Vision Sunday, it's like, what's the new word for the year? And it's really, I like just building on who we are and the values that we have. Structures can change, new um, words can come, and values are the things that are consistent. And we wanna keep building on our values. And today I want to build on, on one particular value that I feel God has called me to preach on today and encourage you with today. So how many of you, I know there were a number of people last Sunday morning who weren't at church because you were watching a South African make history. I'm not gonna ask you to put up your hand who wasn't here still watching um, Drickus Duplessis. Became the first South African to win the US, UFC world title. And if any of you follow this type of sport, he won it by a point. So it was, I think, three judges, and one judge gave it to him, and the other judge gave it to Sean. And then the final decision was split decision, and I think he won it by a point. What is it with South Africans winning things by a point? <laughs> so I went back, and I was like, did we really win the quarterfinals by a point, the semifinals by a point, the finals by one point? Yeah, see Sia's little writing on his hand is like one point. And Drickus, after he won his title, takes the microphone and he says this, Hello, Vietni, Varons Vietni. Now, the English translation is they don't know what we as South Africans know. And if you read any of his reports, he said this, as South Africans, we're always the underdogs. We are expected to fail. And even though we don't have the facilities like the big countries like America that have the gyms and they've got the third and fourth generation coaches that come, he says, we have challenges as South Africa. We have load shedding. They, don't, they have the government's backing, the financial backing in, in the sport, which we don't really have. But he says, but we are South African and people don't know. That's what they don't know. They don't know um, that what we are willing to do to win and how far we are willing to go to be the best. See, unfortunately, as a country, we are known for things that we are not that proud of. We are number one in areas that I'm not that proud of, like unemployment, the highest unemployment rate in the world. And the latest stats were like higher than Gaza. I don't know if that's still the case because that place has been bombed. But the highest unemployment rate in the world, number one. Then we sit number one, this is for Africa, with the highest crime index among the African countries. Not a stat that I'm proud of. South Africa, number one crime index in our continent. Things that... We don't want to be sitting at number one in these areas. And every day I'm reminded about the state of our nation. And as I drive, as I drove here today, and I see the infrastructure that is just not maintained, we've seen the mismanagement of funds, we've seen the deep corruption in our nation, we live with this fear of violent crime. It hasn't been an easy 
time as a nation, and we are in an interesting year. We've got an election coming up. Not just us, but there are 70 other nations going to the polls this year. And the stats say this, 42 billion people are going to the polls. This is um, 42 billion people going to the polls, the most number of elections and people voting in human history. We've got the Russians going to the polls, we've got the UK, we've got America, we've got India. So it's an interesting time globally. We also have in our nation a lot of angry people. And last year they said there were more people striking in a year than in our history. So we see the anger, we see some of the underlying tensions. And then we don't just look at our country, we look globally. And I think it was the UK Defense Minister, Grand Shapps, that said, we find ourselves at the dawn of a new era. And we're moving from a post-war era to a pre-war era. There is wars and rumors of wars happening. They say in five years' time, we're looking at multiple threats of conflict involving Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. And here we are, a little church, sitting at the bottom of this continent in Africa. And all I can say is, but God. But God, when we look around and see all that is happening, not just in our country, but globally, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Because Jesus, you say that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. You tell us to pray your kingdom come and your will be done. You tell us to seek first the kingdom of God. And when I see what God is doing globally, we've seen such a shift in Christianity being at the hub of the US and Europe. Now it's coming from the East and Africa. And I believe that there is a shift happening, that there is an adversary that wants to destroy our intimacy with Jesus and divert us from our mission in the world. I've been praying prayers, God, what are you up to and how do we partner with you? How do we get behind what you are doing in your kingdom. And last week I shared about the big picture. And if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to catch up on last week's sermon because I hope that it gives you some context and purpose for why you are alive, a kingdom context. You see, in a kingdom there is one will that has sway and that is the will of Jesus. And we told to pray, Lord, let your will be done, done not our will. Let king, the kingdom come in our space and place. We need to sync our lives in harmony with the will of Jesus. And once upon a time, as we today just celebrated these people making this public de declaration, once upon a time in your life, you had an opportunity to face the good news of, of Jesus, the good news of his kingdom. And once upon a time, there was a seed. Now, I went to Lifestyle yesterday to buy a seed, and I thought they would be a little bit bigger that I'd be able to hold and kind of show you. But I went for the mustard seed, because the Bible talks about a mustard seed. So the only way I'm gonna show you the size of a mustard seed, there are probably 20 mustard seeds on my finger. But once upon a time, the seed of the good news found fertile soil in your heart. And there is a parable that Jesus tells, and I actually want to look at two parables this morning. And they are parables that we know quite well, so they shouldn't be new to you, but I sense this is something that God is doing, and God is calling us to get behind this year and in the years to come. 
So Jesus tells this parable about a seed that is sown in four different types of soil, right? You all know this parable. And the disciples go to Jesus and say, please explain this parable to us. And Jesus says in Matthew 13, verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. So he first talks about this hard soil that's been trodden upon or hardened by people walking on it, the footpath. And the enemy does not want the word to take root in the soil. Now what is the the word of God, this, this word, the seed that he's talking about. Now, we're not just talking about the Bible and scripture. The word that is sown is the faith awakening message of God's saving activity in and through Jesus's kingdom mission. The seed is the faith awakening message of God's saving activity in and through Jesus's kingdom message. So the first seed doesn't penetrate the hard soil. Then the seed that falls on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since, did I change it? Yeah. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing in God's word. So the rocky soil represents the fair weather faith. All nice and easy following Jesus when things are good, but when things get tough, then they fall away. When trouble or persecution comes because of God's word, they quickly fall away. And then the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. So this soil isn't bad, but we have these weeds, these thorns that come and choke up God's word. And that's talking about the cares, the worries of life, and the lure of money, and all that comes with this world. And then lastly, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So here is the seed that finds root in a fertile heart, and the harvest that he talks about here represents or refers to the transformation of a person who has encountered the kingdom of heaven. Datira, would you come here for me, please? So it happens when you sit in the front. Why don't you lick your finger and take a seed? And just take stand up here. Yeah, I'll take a seat. One. You can take a few. Okay. It's fine. And just hold it up. So I, I know Datira a little bit. I know that the seed, this root has found a place in your heart. And the Bible says that the word has found fertile soil and has found a place to grow from the inside out. And as a Christian, we go through different stages in this walk. The first stage being recognition of God. And this is an exciting time. And then we can go through a stage called the life of discipleship. And that's where you're starting to put these spiritual practices in place. That's where you're starting to learn how to read the Bible and pray and 
be conformed to the image of Jesus. And maybe you go through a stage of productive life where you start serving and leading and you start not just receiving, but giving out. And then there are times in this journey of becoming more Christ-like where we hit walls. Have you ever hit a wall in your spiritual growth? Where all of a sudden you seem to plateau and all of a sudden this maturing and becoming Christ-like doesn't seem to be as evident as it was once before. I know this because I get to preach sermon series and I can preach a sermon series when someone is at that early discipleship stage and they're like, I love that sermon series. God's word is so amazing and exciting. And then when you've been a Christian for 10 years, you preach a similar sermon series and it's like, oh, I've heard it before. Nothing new. And you can slowly kind of hit a wall. And we are on this journey of becoming a life of love. And I know I have more to grow in. I know that I haven't arrived. And I don't ever wanna get complacent and lazy feeling like I have arrived in this journey of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. What it means to trust for spiritual formation and spiritual maturity. And what it means to be a life of love. I was trying to think of my goal. Let's say I had 100 leaders in this auditorium. Where would I want the leaders to be in 10 years' time? What do I want them to look like in 10 years' time? There is a maturing in becoming a life of love that Jesus uses to impact a broken and hurting world. Last, last week I mentioned board again Christians, and I am really trusting that we would catch something afresh this year, that our vision for the year challenges you not to sit and just be comfortable. New Creation Family Church does not just be like saying the pledge. I pledge to my allegiance with, there is a reason. So New Creation Family Church does not just exist for its members, but also exists for its non-members too. And here's the second part of a parable about seeds. So maybe, Mari, you can come. That. And you can take a seed. <sighs> Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. And the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer explained. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. But let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds tie them in bundles and burn them and put the wheat into the barn. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went to the house and again the disciples say, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. And Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. Let's carry on and then I'm going to get back to this. 
The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The son of man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Everyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I started off by sharing a parable about God's word that finds root in your heart, fertile soil that finds root in your heart. And the kingdom seed takes root and starts to grow in your life, inward becoming outward. Then the sower of seed doesn't just go, okay, the way we are going to change this world is to get just the word out there. Let's do it via media and music and newspapers. He says, I need the word to become flesh. So the word, the seed, takes root in our hearts, and then he says, who are now the seeds of the kingdom? Who are the seeds of the kingdom? (laughs) The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. We take that seed in our heart and we say, Jesus, make me a seed. The seed goes from God's word to a person. Look at all these seeds. And my prayer today is that as you are the seed of the kingdom, you say a very dangerous prayer that says, Jesus, make me a seed and sow me so that I can see this great harvest in your kingdom. Won't you give a hand to our volunteers? That <laughs> Board again Christianity kind of hits some stagnation where the word has taken root in our hearts and we say, hallelujah, amen, and we sit in a church service and we love getting fed and we maybe love serving, but we miss out on the bigger picture that God wants to take you and become flesh. Like Jesus came, God in the flesh. He wants to now take seeds of the kingdom and plant you into your sphere of influence. Now you say to me, Paul, the the census that happened in our nation in 2022 says 85% of people claim to be Christians. We've got no work to be done in this country. Hmm? No. He wants to take you as a seed of the kingdom, whether you work for a university or you're in school or you work corporate or whether you live in a complex or go to a gym or belong to a running club, his desire is to manifest his kingdom rule and his reign and his desires in and through your life. You go from the word taking root in your heart to God using you as a seed of his kingdom. Sons are sown to produce a harvest that covers the earth. And I'm hoping that there are people here today saying, Jesus, make me a seed. So here's another illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. I think it's one of the smallest seeds you get. 
that is planted in the field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and nest in the branches. There we are. It starts with something small, not something mature and fully grown. It starts with a seed. My prayer for you today is that you would see yourself as a seed of God's kingdom, that you would wake up with a mission to say, I live for more than just my comfort, my eight to five, living for the weekends. What do we call tomorrow? Moan day. I hate Mondays. I only live for weekends. And I said last week, for God so loved that place that you go to every week, that he planted you there. And sometimes we think we're there by accident, and sometimes we think, oh, it's just the career I chose and the job I took. But who knows that he has got a purpose for you at that moan day place where everyone is miserable. And everyone arrives in complaining about the load shedding and the potholes and the missing street lights and everything else we complain about. See, I want us to see ourselves as people living on mission for the king. There is Carl and Jenny here. They come from America and they are real missionaries here in Africa doing work. I need to see myself as someone living on mission, as though I am a missionary in, the own, in my own place of birth, the own country where I was born. You know, I've lived in Joburg my whole life. I'm a born and bred Gautengeling, never lived anywhere else. <laughs> and I wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I have chosen to be here. Use me to advance your kingdom here. See, we've got a vision as a church to become his community. And man, I love community. I love family church. I believe church is supposed to be around tables and not just stages. We did the sermon series last year, church around a table. And I will sound like a broken record. There is more to church than just this. You are meant for the small, the community around tables, doing life together, fellowshipping and sharing. This is where formation and relationships take place and the caring and encouraging one another. This is the heart and the life of the church. See, I want us to be a people that really are saying, Jesus, we wanna be the church that you picture when you say you're building the church, not just a show on a Sunday morning. And I love our worship teams and I love the lights and all that we do here. But I'm trusting this year that we have a desire for God's presence. What is different? You know, there's a scout hall just down the road here. And let's say there are a whole bunch of people in the scout hall now. What, what is different between us in this hall this morning and them in that hall this morning? <laughs> We've got scones. My prayer is that it's, it's the thing that distinguishes us is God's presence. And I want us as a church to hunger for his presence, the presence of the living God. And I want us not just to hunger for God's presence 
on a Sunday morning, but when we get behind a closed door and we wake up in the morning and we pray and we spend time in his word. So we're going to pursue and run after God's presence. We're going to be people who believe in spiritual formation and we wanna disciple you and train you up to be good seeds of the kingdom. And unfortunately, many of us stop there. You know, when we just seek God's presence for just seeking his presence, it can become very selfish. And when it's all about me and, and my growth and my spiritual development, it can also become very self-centered. And sometimes we miss, we miss God's mission. John Marcoma has this very basic phrase, which is very powerful. We, organize, we reorganize our lives around three goals, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Our vision is to become his community, to impact our community. And at our 40th birthday, I gave this quote by Christopher Wright. It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church, the church was made for his mission, God's mission. And I want us to be a church that is challenged not just to be comfortable, to be lukewarm and apathetic, but to wake up with a burning desire in our heart that says, I have a reason for getting out of bed today. There is a purpose for my life. And that encompasses this kingdom message. So I started off by just talking about our nation and the world we live in now. And some of the prophetic words that came out, one of the prophetic words that they said for this year is Matthew 24, verse 36, that says, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son of son himself, only the father knows. When the son of man returns, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Their word for the year was, as in the days of Noah. We are living in a dark, difficult time. There is something about us in our nation, not like Drickus saying, South Africans are stark and strong and it's just by our perseverance. No, I'm trusting that as believers, we are saying things like, God, it is you that is going to bring the deep change that this nation and this world needs. And I want us to pray a prayer that Habakkuk prayed. This has been my prayer from the very start of the year. That says this, Habakkuk 3 verse 2. Habakkuk had similar issues. He had a he had corrupt leaders, the nation of Israel was in a mess, and he says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I have heard the stories of old. We have seen what you have done with the Israelites going through the wilderness. We've seen the miracles. I've heard works, and I love this prayer. And in this time of need, in this time of deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. This should be a cry of every believer in this country saying, Jesus, we have seen, oh, we have heard of your fame, we have seen and heard of the amazing things you've done, but in our time, 2024, would you come and show yourself strong on our behalf? Would you come and move in our time, in our generation, in this time of deep need, help us again? And he ends this chapter 
with a very gloomy outlook. And even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the, flock, the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, this is a terrible picture. You don't wanna be a farmer when you look outside the window and this is what you see. This is barrenness. Even though I drive here this morning going, Jesus, please, I will still rejoice in the Lord. Maybe some of you are better at rejoicing in the Lord than I am. But it's a daily choice. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength and he makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. We wanna to trust to see God's kingdom come in this nation. It's not gonna be done by our own strength. It's not gonna be just done in our own willpower and our good works. It's going to be done through the enabling and empowering of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the coming kingdom in this nation. And we gotta pray that prayer, God, we've seen your good works, we've seen your deeds, we've seen the amazing things you've done in the past. Would you do it again in our time? When South Africa is famous for those terrible things can we imagine South Africa being famous for a great move of God? The bottom of Africa that influences this continent and we send missionaries to the West to get them saved. Teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, God's moving in places like China. When we talk about the fastest growing churches, it's places like China and Iran. No longer Europe no longer America, we're seeing a decline in Christianity in those places. But what is it going to take for us in this land? I started off by saying, there is an adversary who wants to destroy your intimacy with Jesus, and I believe it. The enemy wants a lukewarm, comfortable, bored church. Someone had a picture the other day in our leadership meeting of the church being like a caged lion. A fat and lazy lion, caged lion. So there is an adversary who wants to destroy your intimacy with Jesus and divert you from your mission in the world. One of our values as a church is kingdom living. And I'm gonna emphasize that this year. Living on mission for the king. And I, and I put there for the king because we're going into an election and we're gonna vote in a new government and a new president, but we have a loyalty to the king of kings and lord of lords who is ushering in a new kingdom. And we are a part, we, are, we play a role in the ushering in of his kingdom. So my prayer is that every single person sitting in this auditorium and watching online today has a fresh awakening in your heart to live on mission. In the suburb you maybe grew up in and maybe the family that you don't enjoy seeing and the gym that you keep going to, to wake up and say, Jesus, I wanna be a kingdom seed in this gym. I wanna be a kingdom seed in this place of work. I wanna be a kingdom seed in this complex, in this community. I wanna be living demonstration of your love. 
wanna believe that there is a great harvest and a great move of God. What God is looking for sons and daughters to become flesh and go and reap a harvest. So the seed took root in your heart, found fertile soil. But then that seed doesn't stop there. He turns you into a seed that he wants to sow you in and use you to advance his kingdom. Will you pray with me this morning, Jaden? What grade are you in? Grade seven. Jesus, make me a seed, a kingdom seed in grade seven. I started off by talking about one point. Maybe this year we pray for one person, just one. One family member, one work colleague, one person at your gym, one person in your neighborhood, one person to encounter the love of Jesus and to have a seed planted in their heart that can take root and then God can send out one seed that is a seed of the kingdom to bring life into this place. Anne Gray had that word about a vine that is dead, and my prayer is that where there is no life in our lives, that he would prune those things away, that we wanna speak new life and health and growth, spiritual growth over this community this year. And it's gonna start off by saying, Jesus, come. And let me fall more in love with you. I wanna see you again and afresh in the new sermon series we're starting next Sunday, Jesus Rediscovered. Fresh eyes, I wanna know you, Jesus. I wanna become like you, Jesus. Change me, mold me, shape me, and then use me. Let me be the hands and feet. Let me be the person that loves so we gotta focus on loving God, loving others, and advancing his kingdom. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and we're going to sing a part of a song called Hosanna. And this is a song we know well. And it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom cause as I walk from earth into eternity. Hosanna, declaring the name Hosanna over us and our lives and this kingdom. I'm gonna ask you to put away your Bibles or your notepads or your mobile device. Anyone feel like they've hit a bit of a, a wall in your walk with the Lord? Anyone feel like you've been in a similar place for a long time? Anyone feel like there is more? My wife, my wife had that word and I see it all over the place now. 2020 more. 2020 more. There is so much more. 
so much more for you to grow in who Jesus is, to discover who he is, discover his love. There is more that he wants to do in your life in molding you and shaping you. And then there is still more kingdom advancement that he requires. Today, I want you to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, make me a seed. And what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna leave these seeds at the front here. And I'm looking for, I'll say one. Let's start off with one. All it takes is one. One person this morning to say, Jesus, make me a seed. That you give me a reason for waking up. 